Well, hi, friends. If we haven't met before, my name is Adam. And today we're continuing our series called The Good Shepherd. And if you missed the last two weeks from Matt Stefan or John Crosby, I encourage you to catch up because we're building on this concept of Jesus being the good shepherd. Because we live in Silicon Valley, we cut a deal with YouTube. So we're able to put up our sermons for free. So take advantage of that and check them out. Uh, Today, we're looking at this truth. Because the good shepherd is with me, I can have joy. And we get this idea from the famous Christmas verse, Luke 1.11, which says this, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And Christmas is the season of joy. And I was reminded of this recently when my youngest child saw a Christmas tree for the first time. Uh, So check this out. You can see the delight and the wonder. Uh, this, this can be a season that creates these kind of feelings, right? Happiness and warmth and delight, the trees, the smells, the traditions, the yearly debates. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Of course it is. Uh, do you say poinsettia or poinsettia? Uh, poinsettia is the Menlo Church approved pronunciation. I just made it. Uh, what happens to many of us, uh, though, is we, we make our goal to experience these feelings all the time, not just at Christmas, but all the time. If we were to ask someone on the street, what do you want out of life? If they were honest, they would probably say, I want to be happy. Uh, for the majority of us, happiness is the goal. It's the desire. It's what we strive for, uh, along with Clorox wipes and fast internet in 2020. Uh, St. Augustine said that every man or human, whatsoever their condition, desires to be happy. This is a part of being human. Uh, Right now on Amazon, there are more than 70,000 books on the topic of happiness and how to achieve it. But is all this striving and chasing and pursuing happiness actually making us happier? We're facing epidemic levels of stress, anxiety, and burnout. It's as almost, uh, almost as if the chase, the goal of happiness is making us less content and less happy. We compare ourselves to people who seem to be happy on social media. We create expectations of living a life that is always happy. But is this what was promised with the coming of the Messiah and the joy he would bring? Or are we chasing after the wrong thing? Is this joy that was talked about in Luke different than the happiness we pursue? Uh, Henry Nouwen, who someone pointed out that I quote in all of my sermons, uh, says that joy is not the same as happiness. We can be unhappy about many things, but joy can still be there because it comes from the knowledge of God's love for us. So for our time today, we're gonna look at the difference between happiness and joy and how understanding this difference can help us become the kinds of people that are deeply satisfied and hopeful and calm in the midst of any circumstance. 
And so let's jump in. The first truth about happiness is this. Happiness is seasonal. Uh, In Indiana, there's a tiny town called Santa Claus. And in this town, the post office gets letters year round from kids writing to Santa. And a group of townspeople who call themselves Santa's elves take turns answering the letters. They have a year-round Santa castle, Santa museum, uh, year-round Christmas parks and attractions and stores. This would have been my dream as a kid because like many kids, I wanted it to be Christmas always, to experience the Christmas emotions year-round. But of course, unless you live in Santa Claus, Indiana, or you're slightly unstable like Buddy the Elf, you know that this is just not how things work. Eventually, you have to pack up the decorations and take down the tree, move on to the next season. That's exactly what a season is, right? It only exists for a certain time. Seasons come and then seasons go. Uh, There's this classic piece of wisdom in Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to weep and time to laugh, time to mourn and a time to dance. Some seasons, the emotion of happiness will flow naturally. Seasons when your loved ones are close by and they're in your house. Seasons when your job fits like a glove. You come to work excited. Seasons when the economy and your investments are doing well. Seasons when your health is great or when you're on vacation or your favorite sports team is winning. Uh, These types of seasons, happiness just abounds. But seasons come... And then they go. I remember the first Christmas after my dad had passed away. My mom, my sister, and I, we decided to skip out on all of our normal traditions. No tree, no movies, no Christmas punch. At Christmas, it was hard to be happy. Every Christmas element was a reminder of years past with dad, a reminder that he wasn't here anymore. As magical and delightful as Christmas can be, it's not happy for some. For some, Christmas means loneliness, especially this year. How many of us aren't able to travel or see family or do our normal traditions? Seasons come, but then they will always go. You will have seasons when your loved ones are away. They either go off to college or they pass on. There'll be seasons when you don't like your boss and your job feels pointless. Seasons when money is tight. Seasons when your health is in decline and your favorite sports team blows every game. See, happiness is not bad. It just comes and goes. It changes with the seasons and the tides and the times. So if we chase the emotion of happiness and we make it our goal, we'll be disappointed because it will be here for a while and then it'll leave. So happiness is seasonal, but thankfully joy is different. Joy is constant. In the classic Advent verse in Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul uh, says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Paul instructs us to rejoice, to have joy. The most interesting part of this is where Paul was when he instructs us to have joy. Paul is writing these words from prison. Not only was he in prison, but he was waiting to find out if he was going to be executed. This was a hard season. 
unimaginable to most of us. But Paul speaks of a joy that can be present even in the worst of seasons. A joy that doesn't come and go, but is constant. A joy that seeps into every moment in time. A joy that is present always. Dallas Willard, theologian uh, voted most likely to be quoted at Menlo Church, uh, says, joy is not a passing sensation of pleasure, but a pervasive sense of well-being that is infused with hope because of the goodness of God. It's not passing, it's pervasive. The definition of pervasive is existing in or spreading through every part of something. Joy has the ability to spread through every part of our life, every moment, every season. 2020 is the perfect year for this conversation because it's been an unimaginably hard season for most of us. I've talked to so many friends and church members who are thrilled that it's almost finally over. Many of us are saying joy to the world, 2020 is gone. But if you allow me to be the ghost of Christmas future for a moment, there will be other hard seasons to come. Maybe not global pandemic level, but there will be seasons of cancer, seasons of betrayal, seasons of loss. Imagine. Imagine if you were able to have a pervasive state of joy, even in these future hard seasons. Imagine if you were able to have a deep sense of delight and wonder and calm. This would be good news. And Paul is telling us this kind of joy is possible. Now, the next truth about happiness is that happiness is external. Uh, Right before COVID lockdown, our family went to Disneyland. And of course, Disneyland is often called the happiest place on earth. And the first day we were there, it it lived up to the name. The sun was shining. The lines were relatively short. Our baby took a nap at the hotel. We got great spots to sit in the parade. We had churros and popcorn. I was with my favorite people enjoying beautiful moments. I was happy. The next day, We came back to the other park of Disney and uh, this day was covered by clouds. It was cold, (laughs) it started pouring rain. The ride we'd been hyping up for uh, months to our son was closed. We waited in line for a frozen show. The five of us huddled under uh, two umbrellas and we were just shivering. And we quickly called it a day. No churros, few rides. I'll never forget waiting for the shuttle to pick us up, watching us all covered in rain and freezing, a high percentage of us crying and screaming. I remember thinking, the happiest place on earth, my blank. (laughs) I'm a holy pastor, so I'd never say anything more than that. Uh, What had changed? We were still in Disneyland in beautiful Anaheim. I was still with the family that I love. I still paid the same amount of money but our external circumstances had changed. Slight differences in our situation completely altered our emotions. I'm a simple man. If you want me to be happy, fill me full of churros and sunshine, I'll be good. This is happiness, right? It's an emotion that easily shifts based on outward external situations. And part of what's hard is that most of these situations are beyond our control. As much as we stress about them, want them to change, we want to manage them, we can't control them. We can't control what the weather does. We can't control the economy. Get this, we can't control other people. 
as much as many of us try, what they decide to do is beyond our control. So happiness is not bad. It just easy, it's easily changed by external circumstances. So what external things easily frustrate and steal your happiness? Getting cut off or honked at, your job, they don't appreciate you, hear you, uh, they constantly ask more of you, people being late, coffee orders being wrong, cars not starting, people of the opposite political party, Zoom meetings while kids are screaming and dogs are barking. Our lives are filled with external situations that are beyond our control. If we make our goal to chase the emotion of happiness, it will change based on these situations. We'll stress and fret and worry ourselves to death trying to control every situation, knowing that if, we, that if they don't go our way, we won't achieve our goal. We won't be happy. But joy is different. Joy is internal. Uh, There's an old church song I learned as a kid. Maybe you know it. Uh, The words uh, were, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And then you'd sing, where? Down in my heart, where? And you just keep saying where down. (laughs) It was pretty annoying. But it was effective because it's ingrained in my mind. Where is this joy? Down. Down inside my heart. Not externally, but down internally. When Paul instructs us to rejoice always, the Greek word is karo, which literally means to joy. It's a verb, an attitude. Most importantly, it's a choice. Again, Nowen says this, I'm convinced we can choose joy. Every moment we decide to respond to an event or a person with joy instead of sadness. When we truly believe that God is life and only life, then nothing need have the power to draw us into the sad realm of death. To choose joy does not mean to choose happy feelings or an artificial atmosphere of hilarity, but it does mean the determination to let whatever takes place bring us one step closer to God. Joy is a state of being we can choose regardless of our external circumstances. Beyond being in prison, Paul faced incredible circumstances. In 2 Corinthians, he, he lists out some of these, saying that he had been imprisoned frequently, flogged severely, exposed to death again and again, five times, getting physical lashings, three times beaten with rods, once pelted with stones, three times he was shipwrecked. It's not great constantly on the move, in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, uh, from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, going without food, without sleep. With these external circumstances, he says that we can still choose joy. Not an empty, fake emotion of happiness, pretending that everything is good, everything's fine, but a deep sense of being choosing to trust in the good news of God. And choosing joy is opening our eyes to the gift of life, learning to be grateful for each moment. Choosing joy is a determination to not let our circumstances change what we believe is true about God and what he says about us. Choosing joy is releasing our need to control every situation, surrendering these things to the one who is in control. Imagine being able to rejoice 
instead of pout in the middle of cold rain in Disneyland, looking at your family, being grateful for this moment with them? What if you chose joy and gratitude in bad traffic, in line at the grocery store, or when the internet goes down? Happiness is external. Joy is internal. A choice we make deep down. Now, the final thing about happiness is happiness is based on results. When I was in second grade, there's one toy that I wanted for Christmas more than anything else in the world. It was a Nerf bow and arrow. This was top of the line Nerf technology and innovation. Some of you millennials will remember this toy. I knew that if I could attain this toy, I'd never need another toy again. I envisioned hours and hours roaming around my backyard, shooting my sister and dog with Nerf arrows. I knew that if I got this present, my happiness would be complete. It was all that I needed. The problem was every other kid in America was asking for the Nerf bow and arrow for Christmas. So my parents cautioned me that it would be nearly impossible to find. Christmas morning though, I opened the big box and there it was, the object of my desire. To this day, I'm not sure what dark acts and deeds my parents performed to get this toy. And I'm not sure I wanna know, but it was there. Now, I could be happy forever. Of course, you know the story. I played with it vigorously for a few days, taking it everywhere. And the next week, a little less, over the course of a few months, it lay around somewhere in the closet, rarely to be touched again. Most of us base our happiness on hoped for results. We convince ourselves that when we achieve this result, then we will be happy. When I lose this weight and I can wear those jeans, then I will be happy. When I find that significant other and we tie the knot, then I will be happy. If I could get this dream job, if I could take the kind of vacations that person takes, if I could become my own boss, when I retire, when I'm out of this house, when I move to a new city, then, then I will be happy. The problem is we've played this game before. We've gotten that job. We've entered into that relationship. We went on that vacation. We bought that car only to soon realize nothing has changed. I'm still the same person. I'm still unsatisfied. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. After winning three Super Bowls, making millions of dollars by the age of 27, uh, Tom Brady said this in an interview in 2005. He says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. Uh, I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's gotta be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. What else is there for me? This is an exaggerated version, but we've all had this feeling, right? We did the thing. We achieved the goal. We got, we got the result we wanted, but it didn't make us happy. Happiness is not bad, but when we make it our goal, it will let us down time and time again. So what are you placing your happiness hope in right now? What is your if only? What is your when I get this? Happiness is based on results. But joy is based on something entirely different. Joy is based on the source. 
So question, where does joy come from? It's not a trick question, this is a church. Of course, joy comes from God. Second question then, do you picture God as a joyful being? Is this the image of God you grew up with? Or is your image uh, of a stern, irritated God who is eager to catch you in the act of doing wrong, show his disappointment? When someone brought you to church as a kid, were you constantly shushed and told to tuck in your shirt? Did you lay awake wondering what this God actually thought of you? Let's get honest here. In your image of God, is he the kind of person that you'd actually want to hang out with? To go to the beach on a Saturday and throw a Frisbee around? To get coffee with and chat about life? To take a road trip with and sing Taylor Swift songs at the top of your lungs while eating hot Cheetos from a gas station? (laughs) Really, deep down, do you imagine God as fun, lighthearted, joyful, or grumpy, stuffy? One of my favorite stories about Jesus is this moment when he's playing with and hanging out with kids and the disciples come along and they start shooing the kids away because it was time to do real serious ministry. Jesus says, let the children come to me because my kingdom belongs to people like these kids. I love this because at the heart of kids, of course, is joy and fun. What I also love about this story is that the kids wanted to be with Jesus. Quick truth about kids, they do not like being with grumpy people. Grumpy people have no place in a kid's world of imagination and goofiness and play. Kids are drawn to warmth, laughter, silliness. Maybe our image of God and Jesus are a bit off. Again, Willard uh, says that we should, uh, to begin with, think that God leads an interesting life, that he is full of joy. And then he says, undoubtedly, he is the most joyous being in the whole universe. Have you ever thought about how weird it is that we are created with humor and laughing? Biologically, what value does it add? Yet it's vital to the human experience. When we laugh, like really deeply laugh, we're fully present in the moment. We're immersed in the lightness of life. Our God, this God is the source of belly laughing. This imaginative God is the source of play too. Before our society teaches us to produce and show our worth and make money and become something, no one had to teach us how to play. We were created with the desire to play and imagine and create and dream. This peaceful God, the source, he's the source of rest and Sabbath. God that wants to remind uh, his people that they are not machines and robots, but are made to enjoy and delight in this life. This God is the source of joy. And here's the magic of Christmas. This God is with us. I can have joy because the good shepherd is with me. At the first Christmas, there were no decorated trees, no cookies, no Santa, no Bing Crosby or John Crosby for that matter. It was dirty, chaotic, and stinky, yet it was magical. Why? Because God was with us. Emmanuel, joy to the world. Why? Because the Lord has come. 
Not because every season will be perfect or every circumstance will go my way or I'll get the results I want, but, but because the Lord has come and is near. So here's the deal. Happiness is not bad, but pursuing happiness, making it our goal will fall short. But if we pursue the source, joy will be a byproduct. And the great news is it doesn't require much of us. When we go back to Psalm 23, we see the psalmist say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We simply have to be the kind of people who learn the art of dwelling, sitting with God, the source of joy, abiding with him. As we dwell with him, his joy becomes our joy. We sit with him and dwell with him in seasons of pandemic and heartache. We sit with him when our circumstances are beyond our control. We sit with him when our results let us down. He's with us as close as the air we breathe. So we learn to turn off our phones and we sit with him in silence. We take walks with him without headphones and we converse and we share our heart. We meditate on his promises slowly and deeply. We stop focusing on future results and we focus on this present moment with God. Ultimately, we learn to live in the reality that we are not alone. So may you stop chasing happiness as your goal. May you surrender your seasons and your circumstances and your results to the one who is in control. May you allow joy to pervade into every nook and cranny in your life. May you choose joy in the midst of hard circumstances. May you live in the reality that you are not alone. The source of joy is near. May you have joy because the good shepherd is with you.